The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. This has gone by lunchtime. I'm Toby Manhai. Happy New Year. Welcome to Annabelle Lee. Hello, Annabelle Lee. Happy how, how are you? How are you in two, how's 2018? Warm. Warm. It is very hot. It is very hot in here, Ben Thomas. Um, is 2018 the warmest year on record? Um, Annabelle, you were suggesting something earlier I just, to do. Yeah, I have a bit of a conspiracy theory that yeah. it's getting warmer, and I suspect, I can't prove it, obviously, but I suspect it's getting warmer elsewhere as well like not just in New Zealand potentially all around the globe and do you think that's just a natural cycle probably that happens with the, yeah yeah it's not probably yeah but definitely warmer yeah okay do um, you think it's man-made do you think vaccines are causing it sounds I read something on Facebook about yeah oh, probably hello that's why me here Rose who's our second panellist here um, she's got I'm going to ask her some Important questions in a moment. Ben Thomas is also here. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. The big news of the political year is that you, Ben, have um, left the Twitter platform. Uh, yeah, the Twitter X platform. I mean, it's Twitter probably over now, I would say. <laughs> is it like an acrimonious breakup? <laughs> the tears of, tears of children, the <laughs> wails from the public gallery. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's it's affected us all deeply, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give give a go to you know looking at looking at media, which it's a bit, bit longer than 280 characters. It might all turn out terribly, and I might be back yeah. any time. So, what happens to your your role as the good Samaritan, the good shepherd? Sorry, of Twitter, does that get passed on, or does it just become is it like null and void, and it's just becomes like a rogue planet of people I, I would like aimlessly to think, tweeting stuff with no one to... I'd like to think that the denizens of NZ Poll Twitter um, could have a nice time online without my civilising influence, um, but I have to say the chances don't look good. Yeah, it's starting to fall apart already. Um, I, mean, I, have no, I have no way hours. of knowing. No, you're going to be back on there tonight. You're going to be searching <laughs> everything. Um, the other news so far in the year is that the Prime Minister is going to take a sabbatical at some point in the middle of the year. Sabbaticals but everywhere. Because where are the other sabbaticals? Oh, you're oh, Twitter. I just left Twitter, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. They're very similar. The two, the two big stories. That would have been a good yeah. segue. Um, yeah. Because she's having a baby. And as chance would have it, um, 
earlier this no end of last year, one of our podcast participants was a baby. In fact, still is a baby, and was um, uh, hung out with Jacinda Ardern. Hello, Waimi here. Waimi here, Rose. Could you tell us, please, whether or not Jacinda Ardern will be a good mother? We were talking about this on the way over in the car uh, <laughs> yeah. because Waimihia has actually spent some time in the Prime Minister's company. Yes. And she said that, curiously, um, the Prime Minister's cuddle was both strong and gentle at the same time, which is something mm. that, as a baby, she appreciates. Mm-hmm. Quite decisive. Mm. Yeah. Um, and... The, the sort of thing that will be important in the 2035 election when Waimahia Rose gets to go to the polls. That's right. Right. Um, against uh, Waru. As the, some, someone at Ratana has... They've, they've gifted a, a name to the unborn child. It's, Annabelle, Waru. can you explain that to us? Um, I, I presume that there's a bit more significance and it's a little less obnoxious than when I tried to gift the name Ben to you last year. I love the name Ben um, and remain deeply appreciative of your kind gesture. Um, yes, she was given, offered the name Te Waru o Noema by, um, by the Tumwaki of the Ratana Church. I'd be so chuffed if I was her. And if Would she, you? Oh, but yeah. what if she gets offered like a whole load of names and ends up having to have seven, eight, nine, ten names because oh. you can't offend anyone by not... Like we, we, are we going to offer her a name at the end of this podcast? Well, we can. That's a good idea. Let's think about it. I know of one that's going. That. What's he talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't picked up last year. When it would be quite cool, though, you know, if she was to use the name Wadu, you know, her child will be able to look back at the news footage and see the whole porphyry and what happened. Mm. And I don't know, it's a, it's a nice piece of history to be associated with, I reckon. Mm. Pretty cool. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about... Um, so the announcement, which was last Friday, and which um, took everyone by surprise, just about, it seemed. Um, except Ben, you knew Ben. You knew you've known for years. <laughs> um, well, the, the the prime minister has has made it clear for quite a quite a while that she's intended to start a family at sort of around this stage of her life. Yes, um, and she but it was also very well managed insofar as that it was underscored that it was a surprise, mm. which was an, and there was some discussion, volunteered information about how they had sought some advice on having a kid and. Um, that was to sort of forestall the whole you tricked us and you, you knew of, during of which the election we, there campaign. was still a fair bit yeah. around, including in the letters page of New Zealand Herald and um, elsewhere. Um, so there was that and there was also the, the I thought the other kind of quite clever, and I'm not saying it was disingenuous, but um, line that they had prepared someone who Jacinda Ardern rolled out was that her grandmother, her recently deceased grandmother, probably might have shared some of those points of view. The back. So it's kind of, kind of like a little bit of a acknowledgement that, yes, there are some people with some views that da, 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 da. she doesn't agree with them, but there. I thought that was the, quite... The PM is clever. very good at kind of reaching across the aisle um, to people who might be a bit more sceptical, you know, whether within Labour's base or critics from outside it. Mm. 
um, and sort of anticipating issues. You know, she didn't get on any kind of high horse. Um, many, many people did on her behalf mm. in, in anticipation of mm. any criticism. Um, the Prime Minister was very sort of sober, recognised that some people might have a few concerns about, you know, the ability to juggle the two very important jobs, probably the two most important jobs in New Zealand, um, which is to say being our Prime Minister and raising our future saviour. <laughs> and... <Right. laughs> <the> <laughs> <laughs> and um and 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 you know she 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 kind of forestalled it um you know she she's very good in this role i think you know there has been you know you've got to delve quite deep to get the criticism you know sort of facebook comments on the new zealand herald or stuff comments or whatever oh, I don't know. There, was a, there was a very very bad mark reason column yesterday sports column so there've been a few oh, sure, been a few, but, but i, I yeah, think if, yeah. you, if you i think if you tote up the number yeah. of columns for and against and yeah, supportive sure, and sure, sure. yeah the, the vast majority of what we might call elite opinion is definitely you know supportive and yes. rightly so of the prime minister um but but you know, when you do find this criticism, I, I think that, you know, by the time the the national baby is, is born into the stadium of 4.5 million godparents, mm. um, I think that, you know, everybody will be on board um, with Jacinda Baby Mania. I saw a comment on Twitter today by the non-plastic Māori um, mm. that if you're single, brown and unemployed and you have a pa- baby, that's cause for deep concern, concern and if you're... Um, in your 30s in a stable relationship and have a successful career and have a baby that still calls for concern which I think is true yeah and one of the other things that some few people pointed out was that some of the same people who are angry about Jacinda Ardern having a baby were angry at Helen Clark not having a baby so, <laughs> so can't true really, can't really win so true it's yeah funny funnily enough me and Mahi were um in Waitangi on Friday when the announcement came through we'd just been in a meeting we came out mm. and saw it on Twitter and of course um both our responses were no <laughs> as you do when given we have nine children leading, between leading the two of us political analysts. that's right um, but I, yeah one of the things I think is interesting is the whole you know how is she going to juggle both is she going to neglect her duties as mm. Prime Minister and as a working mum I can say um, from personal experience and, um, and seeing other mums do the same that um, because we live in a um, inherently sexist society that it tends not to be your job that gets neglected when you're holding down your career and holding down um, you know a family so mm. I don't think there needs to be any concerns that she's not going to do her job um, most mums you know struggle with the guilt of having to um, to give so much to their work in order to allay those concerns that they're not going to do their jobs properly and as a result they're their home life can suffer somewhat. As Jacinda has already said, she's in the fortunate position that she has a tiny who is able to stay home and take care of their baby. So mm. f- hopefully for her, she won't have to struggle with that guilt as much. But you know, I think that um, as a woman, I can say that New Zealand need not worry that Jacinda won't be focused on her job. Most wahine tend to put extra focus on it just to, um, yeah, as I say, um, in, re- in response to those and somewhat unfair expectations that society puts on us. Annabelle Lee is, <coughs> I should point out, Annabelle Lee is doing this while almost literally juggling a baby. He's <laughs> 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 ringing around. Um, so uh, very, um, no one speaks with more authority on that. Um, as for the 
six week period that she has suggested she'll take as maternity leave and what that means for the government. She went to Winston Peters home, St Mary's Bay, and told him and had discussed it over sandwiches and tea. We got that that was what the detail that National Radio headlined on. Just like the Herald on Sunday headlined on Clark Gayford brought her flowers, dairy flowers and what was it? Something else. Um, it's just this is these sort of details that, yeah. pe- that people that we've been served have been quite interesting. The, the headline, a, the headline was it a was burger the, or something? Something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah burgers, yeah. yeah. Burgers and flowers from the dairy. The headline, um, I think, was she broke the news to Winston Peters over some sandwiches. Uh, yeah. I mean, was, was that a tense <laughs> moment? Sort of bra- <laughs> bracing? <laughs> I mean, that, that was a day when a number of dreams came true. For, <laughs> That's right. For a few, a few New Zealanders. Not, not just Jacinda Ardern and Clark Gayford. You might find this thought daunting and you may wish to turn it down. That's, that's an op- But would you like to be Prime Minister for a while? Um, <laughs> Who is excited about Winston babysitting us for six weeks? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's like, you know, when your parents go away and they can't find, like, the responsible members of your family to do it so they get the grumpy uncle yeah. who appears like he will actually take good care of you yeah. but in reality this doesn't have the energy to actually really supervise you properly and you get to like get drunk all weekend trash the house have your mates over and as long as it's all tidied up before mum and dad gets home it's a kill <laughs> so you're saying that Winston Peter's going to spend his six weeks as Prime Minister sitting in a lazy boy flicking through the channels yes do he? I mean, how will it work? It will be. It will be interesting, right? I mean, I mean, it's sort of there's enough time that they can program it all quite clearly. But presumably, when he's doing all those set pieces, the you know the the question time answers, the press conferences, they'll I guess they'll roll out a fair bit of the New Zealand First part of the coalition agreement, and they can. I yeah. mean that could that that could work. I mean, a, it a depends if people when t- events happen. Who knows? It'll be gold cards up. <laughs> Yeah, a few people have talked about, um, you know, Winston Peters, of course, has been Prime Minister before, acting Prime Minister. Yes. Um, he's, he was acting Prime Minister. Has he already been acting Prime Minister in this term? Yeah, for a few yeah. days. Before, um, yeah. But, but, of course, this is much longer, six weeks. That means he'll chair at least sort of four or five cabinet meetings. Um, you know, there will be significant announcements made. And, yeah, if he's smart, uh, which I think... You know, this track record says he is, he'll use it to announce a lot of New Zealand first policy in the government um, and, and kind of do that clear differentiation from Labour, um, which can be difficult in a coalition. Mm. I feel like the dynamic between him and Jacinda kind of brings out the best in him. Yeah. It brings out the elder statesman role in him and, you know, the kind of kaitiaki... Um, role which mm. uh, I find um, refreshing and nice to see. There is a bit of a sort of prophecy fulfilled sort of aspect to this whole thing. Um, you know, Jacinda starts her family and, and Winston gets his, you know, month and a half, you know, possibly more, depending on how things go, um, as Prime Minister. Yes. You know, the, 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 it had to happen before the curtains could close. It, it was foretold. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Waitangi Annabelle, and uh, you were up there, I'm going to take a wild guess, planning coverage for February? Completely wrong. Oh. No, it was about a, another project we'd worked on. Oh, mm. secret project? No, no, it was about Aurua Pika Pika Doko, okay. just checking okay. in with some of the um, people from Ngāti Hindi and stuff about um, it. 
speaking of Waitangi, though, all the same, you wrote a piece which a lot of people read on the spin-off website this week um, about Jacinda Ardern's announcement that she will be attending Waitangi for five days um, in early February. Yes. Um, what, what, what sort of, what did you say in the piece? Give us a too long didn't read. Um, I said that it was an important opportunity for Labour to try and reset its relationship with Māori, which in the past has been somewhat paternalistic and exploitative. Um, mm. They've often you know, been accused of taking Māori support for granted, and I think that's fair, and of um, being um, overbearing in terms of um, how Māori... Um, operate and aspirations and those sorts of things and I think this is a chance for Jacinda to show that um, the way she will govern and her relationship with Māori will be vastly different from Helen Clark's relationship with Māori mm. and that it's also important um, it will be significant for Māori to see a Prime Minister who actually takes the time out to sit and listen to the people and spend more time listening than talking. So that was kind of the crux of it, really. And Titifai Hardaweta is going to lead her on to the Mariah? Chaperone her on to the Mariah, I understand. Um, yeah. But there's still a possibility of process, right? I mean, there's always a... And so things could still happen. Things could still happen. But I understand that um, that uh, Ardern's Māori advisors are working and, you know, having ongoing hui with the with the kaitiaki of the um, top marae, um, or the, um, what's its official name, the treaty grounds marae. Te te. Uh, no, te te's the bottom marae, that's oh. the haukainga marae on the waterfront. They're having, um, she'll be speaking at the top marae right. about how that will work from a tikanga perspective. Do you think Kelvin Davis has been involved in all that too? I mean, does having a deputy who is from that turf yeah help? I think um, I imagine that a lot of those MPs from the north will probably be involved including Shane Jones but mm. my understanding is that it's Penny Henare who will be the um, kind of um, leading um, those talks and of course you know he is a descendant of the Henare whanau who are you know among Māoridom's most esteemed um, orators so it makes sense that he would be the man who is um, organising that side of things. The, um, there's been a few other things for the Te Ao Māori in the last week, one of which is the, the a piece that was on Stuff, which um, we covered again on the spin-off with something from Josh Hitchcock. But Ben, that involved the these that were described as in the on, on in the Stuff trail is staggering and discreet top-up payments for iwi uh, um, for was it Tainui and Tainui and Naitahu who were the first first to settle under what was then called the fiscal envelope yeah what what we think of now is the modern treaty settlement process um, which is you know having a, having a real process for settling these historical claims with iwi directly um, that, that didn't exist in the mid-90s. And so Doug Graham and Jim Bulger wanted to put some kind of, if not rules, kind of guidelines around how that would kind of proceed. They proposed that there would be a fiscal envelope and they set aside a billion dollars 
or, or they proposed setting aside a billion dollars mm. and Doug Graham has said we just said that because it was a large amount of money or seemed like a large amount of money which we'll give to to iwi who, to settle their historical claims Naitahu and Tainui were the two first big settlements um, yes. and they received 170 million dollars each at different times in the 90s um, but they wanted some kind of guarantee that the government after the I think it was after the Tainui settlement, but before the Naitahu settlement, they dropped this fiscal envelope idea. So they, they rejected the idea that there would be a maximum amount for settlements. And both of those iwi were a little concerned that that their their settlements, which were intended to be sort of full and final, or the government says comprehensive, um, would would seem kind of paltry. If, if the government started upping the amounts that they gave, you know, in relative terms to different iwi. Mm. And, be, and because there wasn't a real track record of, of, of these things happening, that was a, a real concern. So they negotiated these things called relativity clauses, which meant that the, the value of their settlements in total would always be around 33% of all settlements, um, which means that after a billion dollars was reached, um, they would get a top up, which would be equal to thirty-three cents in every dollar that was then, you know, given to, to iwi. That's, um, and and it took a while for those because it's a billion dollars in nineteen ninety-three terms. It took a while for these clauses to be triggered, and uh, <laughs> I think I think they triggered in about two thousand and ten or eleven. It was when I was in the Beehive doing treaty settlements, and then discussion started about how much the money, how much the amount should be, because there's a question about, you know, what falls in, what falls out, what counts towards mm. these things. Mm. And finally, some of the payments became due, and I think in total it was about $340 million. I wish the headline of that article had been, OMG, the Crown actually honours its treaty <laughs> deal. That would have probably been a more apt headline than, um, than the one that went to print. But yeah, I feel like um, that was a pretty disingenuous article, to be honest. Um, apologies for Ben's laugh before. That was just because we're all furiously holding up sheets of A4 paper, paper and fanning each other in this <laughs> ridiculous sauna of a studio, um, which I would like to burn into a crust. The, it's about I mean, halfway there. What is the... Can, does anyone know off the top of their head? I mean, the, the, the other thing that's just worth remembering is that what are we up to now? 2.2 billion or something that's been negotiated in settlements? I mean, it's basically, a, it's not much more than the Waterview Tunnel, right? Like it's, and when you put it in perspective and you factor out what, it's a tiny amount that it's cost the Crown to settle these historic claims. Yeah, right? and you, you have to remember too, it was a brave thing for um, for Waikato Tainui and for Ngaitahu to settle because, you know, they had they had lost so much. And when you look at what the return they were getting per acre, it was... It was tiny, so um, those relativity clauses were an important way to, um, you know, to encourage iwi to kick off the settlement process. And if it, if it wasn't for those two um, taking that leap of faith, um, there, there then, then no, we'd be way yeah. back further down the track than we currently are. And, and the thing to remember is um, Jacinda Ardern obliquely referenced this at uh, Ratana when she said that Māoridom provides quite a good model for how government should work. And she was talking about the principle of manakitanga, mm. um, which is sort of hospitality, generosity, uh, taking care of people. And she talked about um, 
post the Kaikoura earthquakes, post, post the Christchurch earthquakes, Naitahu um, played a huge role in rebuilding after Kaikoura, after Christchurch. Naitahu actually played an enormous role in building what we think of as Kaikoura now. I mean, Kaikoura was not a successful, right. booming tourist town before Naitahu got its settlement and invested in it. It was just a shithole out of the way yeah. in the South Island. Um, That's so right. Kaikoura Whale Watch is a Naitahu initiative that has done amazing things for the economy of Kaikoura. So, you know, what's economically good for Māori tends to be economically wonderful from whatever province Mm. that that iwi comes from. And uh, Hamish McNally, who's a very good reporter with, I think he's with Fairfax now, and um, used to be with the Otago Daily Times, he... He always followed this very closely, and when the settlement, when the relativity clauses were first triggered, his angle was, you know, big boon for the South Island economy, which I think is actually a much more accurate angle than trying to dredge up a 20-year-old clause and saying it's somehow a secret that's uh, being used to pull the wool over New Zealand's eyes. Te Reo was the other thing that's been about in the news a bit, Annabelle. Um, there was, um, it was, I think, I think this was all triggered by Paul Moon's new book, January Surprise, about about the, the state of Te Reo in New Zealand. Mm. Um, and Bill English um, was on the radio on Morning Report and described it as... What, did, what were the words he used? And I think it was the others, AM show. He, d- he, described, AM he show. described it as it's not the government's job to, to save, save someone, someone else's deal, I think, with the words someone that he used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he used the word real. Oh, <laughs> language, sorry, language. language. Um, so, um, where do you, I mean, I don't know what part of that is, is most worth focusing on. In a way, is there a sense in which, in opposition, the National Party is kind of re- going, re- retrenching to a base a bit? Or is that consistent with the way that English... Uh, it's a ridiculous statement. I mean, the guy has just um, spent the last six years in coalition with the Māori Party, who pushed through Te Mātāwai, which is the new Māori language strategy, and part of that strategy is Te Maihi Konihera, which is essentially the Crown's responsibility to support the revitalisation of Te Reo Māori. So from, you know, as the former Prime Minister who helped usher that legislation through, it's a ridiculous statement to make. As a decent, you know, New Zealander and citizen of this country, um, you know, if you're a patriot of New Zealand, you should care about te reo Māori. So I just think um, there's just no, no, no way around that statement. Ben. But Ben will I, find I would one. Like to but if there's a, one a to be found, <laughs> Ben will hunt it down. I um I think, I I think that there's been not from Annette Bell obviously, but from certain elements there's been this strange kind of um, attempt to recast Bill English, probably one of the most progressive prime ministers we've ever had on Maori issues, as some sort of reactionary racist, um, and it, it just doesn't stack up at all. He. Th- those comments were probably a little ill-disciplined, but essentially they just reflect what is English's worldview, which is that government can do all of the all of the necessary things, but government will never be sufficient to make the language thrive. Um, and and that's the same with everything. Government can make immunisations free; they can't make parents take their children to a doctor. Um, and 
you know, and I, I think, you know, what Annabelle was saying was absolutely right. You know, um, English has, you know, done a huge amount to support the Crown Māori relationship. Um, he did usher through, uh, or John Key, um, with, you know, Bill English leading that relationship, ushered through a new Māori Language Act, which does talk about, just as Bill English had said, you know, um, bureaucrats speaking today in the office, you know, encouraging the use in government departments. So I, I think he was just sort of taking notice of the fact that all these things are there. The government has put all this, this in place, but you can't save the language unless the people want to speak it. Um, there was actually a piece on the spin-off by uh, Hemi Kelly, which I think made the same point. Uh, That's a review of Paul Moon's book by Hemi yeah, Kelly, quite, which is in Leo and English on the excellent R-tier section of the can I say I disagree on both those counts because a you could make immunization compulsory through legislation and B you could make the teaching of Te compulsory in schools which would give um, all New Zealanders a head start in, in learning Tedio Maori and you know the argument that Maori need to save their own language Kelda that's what we've been doing um, for the last you know nearly two centuries and it's just um, insulting to the work of, of um, people who are working hard to um, to pass on the, the reo through through their households because we know that that's how um, te reo Māori, um, you know, transmission of the language in your home is the most powerful way to ensure that um, that, that the language continues. Um, but you need support in doing that. And so... Um, you know, te reo is a, is a civic responsibility in my mind. Ben, you wanted to mention something from that, Hemi. Oh, no, look, I, I mean, I, I thought she made the same point that... Um, he. Oh, sorry, he. Oh, sorry. Uh, made the same point that Annabelle did, um, which is the revivalists are the parents and the grandparents, the teachers and the mentors. They're the people who learn, speak and teach the language day in, day out. And I think the point that Annabelle was making is is actually the point that is actually a point that Bill English would agree with, um, that, you know, government... Because I think, you know, this is about his conservative worldview in terms of the limits of what government can do rather than about anything, any particularly sort of radical um, approach to or dismissal of today, I think. That's certainly how I understood it anyway. Let's... What, what I think is... What I, what I mean to say is I think everyone basically agrees apart from Paul Moon. <laughs> Let's talk about the TPP, um, which um, the prospect of New Zealand signing the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement along with 11 other countries, including the United States, last year um, had thousands of people taken to the streets in protest when the national government was about to sign the TPP is bad. Um, And today, as of this week, the TPP has been tweaked a bit. There's been the Canadians got cross, whether performatively or really, and the TPP is no longer bad. The comprehensive and progressive TPP That's good, isn't it? is good. CPTPP. CDBDIs. It's like a Spike Milligan poem. CPTPP. Really, it's like if you just keep adding letters, people will eventually just nod off to sleep and no longer get fired up about it. <laughs> but yeah, progressive. It's, pro- it's, progressive. it's comprehensive and it's progressive. Unlike the old one. Which was basically the same. Um, I mean, there are a few. Which was a less, are, little a few, less comprehensive. There are a few changes. There are a few changes. But um, do you... They've taken the roughages off the 
dispute resolution clauses. New Zealand first have come round, yeah, but there there are, there are still the, the investor dispute, dis, investor dis, investor dispute settlement stuff is still there mostly. Yep. Um, and they've taken out some of the copyright stuff that was problematic. But um, New Zealand first are cool with it now. It's because comprehensive and progressive. Um, New Zealand first don't strike me as the most neither comprehensive nor progressive particularly I would have thought they're more conservative and um, piecemeal <laughs> um, um, where are we going with this um, the, it's, they must be concerned a bit though in Labour that it will come back to bite them a bit I mean I think that one of the first challenges they'll face will be um, if when they're seen as heretics I don't think many people voted on the TPP at all. Mm. Um, I think there was a there was a fair bit of concern about the TPP back when uh, Labour, in particular, were leading the charge and saying that Pharmac was under threat. Um, but I, I think I think you know medicines and healthcare was the main concern. Yeah. In as far as anyone had a concern, now you've got sort of various kind of very small groups um, who are worried about you know very nebulous notions of sovereignty um, but in, in terms of in terms of the concrete issues I don't think anyone who voted for Labour um, will turn their back on them because they've embraced the newly comprehensive and extremely progressive TPP um, and I, th I think it'll it'll kind of bed in um, support for the Greens amongst you know that increasingly sort of small yep. group of voters six percent yep. or whatever who are still sort of fierce green uh, supporters and it, and it allows them to differentiate themselves in the coalition which is always you know very valuable I totally also, agree I think this is actually kind of good news for the greens and that it's happening early they're getting to flex their muscle and show their party faithful that um, you know that they will stand by their principles and won't buckle on this one and you know not get sucked up into the the big red mass of the Labour Party we'll also see though Labour relying on the votes of the National Party to get legislation through. I mean that, you know, they can they can they can sign off on cabinet. They can do that ratifying bit, but any any new legislation will have to go through the house. Any new letters will have to. Is any C's or P's added? On the national <laughs> task. Just like ink them in. Yeah. Um, the the but but that's you know that that kind of just underscores, and I think that probably that that when that happens, that will, you know, that will make that emphasise that for a lot of people that. The Labour Party needs both the New Zealand First Party and the Green Party to put legislation through the House, and they've got agreements with both of them. But that's quite a, you know, it's not, it's not nothing. So there are there are going to be pieces of legislation that they're going to really struggle with, I think, in times to come. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think this is a huge issue though, because this is a bipartisan sort of trade issue where Labour and National have been largely in lock, lockstep for the last sort of thirty, forty years. Um, it, won't, it won't be a huge problem. The I guess the reality t is too is that if the Greens hate it and New Zealand First hate it, that probably means that National likes it. So <laughs> in I, terms I, of future <laughs> legislation, so they should be sweet at. We'll just end up with a grand coalition <laughs> and it'll be fine. The um the hundred day plan is closing in, isn't it? It's sort of third of February, fourth of February or something it's like pretty that. Close, yeah. And then they're getting there. This we've had the, the um inquiry into mental health announced. Um very wide. Ron Patterson is its chair. 
um, and that will be interesting to see how that develops. Um, th we've also had the employment law changes today announced, which hopefully included some very stern measures to do with sitting in a fucking overheated studio, trying to stay focused um, when there's no air conditioning. I know what you're saying, Wamiha. I'm with you 100%. Otherwise, what, what was in there? They, the 90-day the, the day thing about where you don't have to have a reason to sack somebody has been changed. So I think it, it, it remains for companies under 20, with under 20 employees. There's some stuff about breaks for restoring compulsory breaks. food and rest which seems ridiculous what kind of a person stops for food or rest but not air traffic controllers oh really yeah, is that yeah, an exemption that's, that's the otherwise exemption. what's your what's your read on all this ben thomas formerly of twitter this is this is all pretty minor stuff um kirk cope from business new zealand described it as tidal so the sort of thing that ebbs ebbs when there's a national government, the tide comes in when there's a Labour thing. They, it used to be you had these huge pendulum swish, uh, um, shifts between um, Labour and national governments. Now it's this very small arc of quite minimal changes. Can, you, ex wait, can you explain the difference between a pendulum swing and a tide going in and out? Is that uh, the same thing? It, it, it's, it depends where the midpoint is. If the, shift, if, the, if, the, if the tide point is halfway up, then it's the same because it's... Positives and negatives. It's very hot, man. It's, it's so hot. It's we need really a break. Very, we need a mandatory 15-minute break. <laughs> um, what we Where is Ian Lee's Galloway? <laughs> <laughs> this never happened under a national government. That's what I'm saying. Um, what are we doing about? <laughs> Either that or James Shaw needs to take immediate action to lower James the temperature. Shaw, we haven't even plane. covered the beards. We haven't even um, covered the beards. <laughs> yes. Sorry, em employment law. Yeah, so these, these are pretty small shifts, um, kind of 15 degrees each way. Um, there won't be anything that worries uh, employers in it. The big, th the big stuff, which um, probably is a little more concerning to the business community, um, which is the fair pay agreements, which are meant to go across industries. Um, the evidence seems to be that Labor don't quite know how to do those yet, so they're kind of putting those off for another year or so. Um, and, and a few other things have kind of been kicked into touch as well. Um, they've also reconvened the Gender Pay Equity uh, Committee. Mm. Yeah, Lise Galloway, the um, Labour Minister, or the Workplace Relations Minister, and Julianne Genta, the Women's Minister, um, have reconvened that to come up with a, a better, uh, or, or what, they, what they see as a better um, framework and legislation for you know, equalising gender pay. So, I mean, I, I think the unions, the stakeholders uh, for Labour there will be pretty happy with what's happening so far. But Labour at the same time has been very careful to get business on board, seen it in the cautious way they've approached the Hobbit legislation. Um, they're working with industry, they're taking it kind of softly, softly, and uh, doing quite a good job, I think. Um, what else? Let's get, I mean, let's widen this up, honestly. It's hard to even... I think we've lost, put like, sentences together. <laughs> <laughs> this could be my new diet. <laughs> We're basically like a group of elderly German men in a sauna. That's what we are. Um, the Let's go quickly on the, just really quickly, like a prediction. Bill English, does he, is he the leader of the National Party by going into Christmas? Ben. It really yes no? doesn't seem like he wants to be there, judging on his early... Uh, Early, uh, no, he doesn't want to be there. I told you already last time that that reshuffle was a totally a caretaker reshuffle. It wasn't a let's revamp the team. If he's 
if, if he really wanted to, he would he would be changing, shuffling the cabinet, getting some new voices in there. Same old, same old. Doesn't want to be there. Gone by, gone by March time. Gone by, gone by supper. Um, they just got to pick. No, the right I reckon time. he'll be there. I'm just gonna All be right, contrary, Mary. No, he'll be there. I love it. When we here? Um, on the fence again. I think he's gone. And then quickly on the green leader race. <coughs> Hashtag team Marama. Marama Davidson yeah. has pretty much announced that she's going to be in there. Um, she's having an event in early February. She's announced she's making an announcement. She's announced in a forthcoming announcement. Um, and it, the other people who are being picked as likely candidates, and this is of course for the female co-leader, which will be alongside the formerly bearded James Shaw, uh, Julianne Gentis, Eugenie Sage and Jan Logie, although some of them are very much maybe. Um, and the great advantage, I guess, Madame Davidson has, uh, one of her advantages is that she can say that because she has, to many people's surprise, missed out on any outside cabinet um, government role, that uh, she can be that kind of link to the membership properly without being bound in the same way. Like, like another... Uh, lamented late Marama, Marama Fox, Marama who Fox. was a non-minister for the Māori Party and really did sort of come in, come into her own sort of, um, you know, when they needed a bit of kind of bother with the government. Um, Tūrua Flavel was very sort of conciliatory, keeping on board with what the government's priorities were, whereas Marama uh, Fox with the Māori Party would just say, we're walking, we're withdrawing our support, we're gone, and then you'd suddenly see some changes. So if she could reprise that role, that'd probably be pretty useful for the Greens. I mean, Judy Angenta has really impressed a lot, though, by the same token, hasn't she? And you would imagine that race would be certainly very interesting if it was Judy Angenta versus Marama Davidson. Mm. I imagine it will be quite hotly contested, that one. Mm. But I, I do hope that it's um, Marama that gets it because, hey, I'm all about having more wahine Māori in leadership roles, obviously. But also because I think, you know, it would be a smart move in that until the last election, the Greens had been, you know, increasing their vote um, in the Māori electorates every year because a lot of their philosophies line up with... Um, with with Maori values, and so I think it's important, you know, if the Green Party wants to continue to be seen as the party that really does um, uphold treaty values, that we have a um, a wahine Maori in a leadership role within that party to to take over from where Metidia left off. Oh, sorry, one here just banged you there against the headphones. Um, excellent points, all of those. Um, we're melting, honestly. It's too much. We've got to go. We're going to go and. Um, Cover us. Have our ice baths, which we always have after a after a good hard game, and um, uh, really nice to be back. And we will catch up again soon. Hopefully, a few degrees cooler. Kakite. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.